Welcome to the SMB Community Podcast with your hosts, Amy Babinchak, James Kernan, and Carl Polichuk. Produced by and for the Small Biz Thoughts community. We're dedicated to making every IT professional a successful IT professional. This podcast is sponsored by the Small Biz Thoughts technology community. Check us out at smallbizthoughts.org. Forums, templates, and checklists are just the start. Our community includes all of the best-selling books on managed services in all available formats, plus free training, members-only programs, and the best business training available to managed service providers anywhere. Plus, we have weekly live members-only Zoom calls. The average member saves more than 200% of their membership cost each year. We are totally dedicated to your success. Just because you're in business for yourself doesn't mean you have to go it alone. Join us today at smallbizthoughts.org. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. This is Carl, and I'm joined today by Ann Hall, who is an IT lawyer from New Zealand. Uh, she's the owner and founder of IT Agree, the agreement lifeguard, providing legal agreements as a service globally. And uh, her website is itagree.com. Welcome. Thanks, Carl. Great to be here. So, uh, so the first question is: So, as an attorney, do you do you actually make any money off IT consultants? Because there's they were really cheap. <laughs> so, so what I've done is, you know, with with managed service providers, of course, you know, they're providing amazing services. Uh, of course, they find that a lot of them are passionate about the services that they provide, yet um, a lot are concerned about business risk. So while on the surface, things look good, underneath, you know, a lot are concerned about business risk. And I really hate to see uh, MSPs, you know, struggling with, with uh, unnecessary risk, burdened by unnecessary risk, and not really having a pathway forward. Uh, to manage that risk, to deal with navigating change, and to protect their business. So that's where I, you know, love to come in and help. And after 25 years as a lawyer uh, focused on the IT industry, I could see, you know, clearly that MSPs were struggling with agreements. And so I went to Microsoft and I said I would like to provide agreement solutions for partners and MSPs in particular globally. So. Uh, sure, I'm a registered lawyer in New Zealand, but IT Agree, with IT Agree, we're providing legal agreements as a service, okay, by subscription. So, right. you know, again, making making it much easier. Um, and, and, you know, there are a few key things that I think can really help um, MSPs to, to quite quickly reduce their business risk. So risk is huge, and we'll come back to that. But let me ask the obvious question, which is, um, with the differences in laws, not just between New Zealand and North America, but, you know, Canada, Mexico, all of Europe, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Australia, Asia. I mean, the laws are different everywhere. So do you start by saying, you know, tell us your location and we'll narrow down some of what we do? Yeah. So, you know, it is a, it is a great question and, of course, can be top of mind for people uh, because, of course, you've got different jurisdictions. But, you know, when it comes to managed service providers, um, what the issues are, the issues that really um, are, you know, relevant in terms of business risk, 
what's going on for managed service providers is the same in California as in London, as in Sydney, as in wherever you are. Okay, so if you look at a contract, you know, a lot of partners focus on what I call the worst case scenario. And I need that contract there to protect me for that worst case scenario, right? But there's a whole other part of the agreement, which is I call the proactive protection side. And that is, what are you committing to doing? What are you expecting from your customer? You know, what are the things that are out of scope and all of that, that good material that really needs to be absolutely clear and concise. And that's the part that stays the same largely for managed service providers everywhere. And I find that, you know, a lot of managed service providers, as I said, on the surface, things look great, but underneath is that business risk. And it's often, it's not that worst case scenario. It's the performance part. Now, in terms of jurisdiction, uh, you know, back in uh, the, the 90s, when I began as an IT lawyer, right in the early 90s, in fact, uh, we started having, you know, clients, I was working at a big national law firm, we started having clients in the States. And what we would do is do a lot of the work here in New Zealand, but then submit the agreement to, you know, the lawyer in the local state to right. review. And what would come back was little or no change. Now, you've got to appreciate that IT law is very, very new in the, in the scheme of things in terms of, you know, legal development. And so some of the areas, you know, there's, there are actually only a couple of areas that are really different. We work with attorneys in different locations to modify our agreements so that they're right for different places. Now, I've just been through that process with uh, some of the European countries that we're entering, and even in a totally different um you know, legal landscape there, there's still only a tiny bit of difference. You know, it's actually not as not nearly as big as what you might think. Good. Well, that's always good to hear. The, uh, you know, I teach a class on, um, on creating service agreements <laughs> for IT consultants. And I always start by telling them your service agreement isn't about your service. It's about your relationship. It's about, you know, how am I going to bill you and and when are you going to pay me and what's covered and what's not? And, you know, it's it's sort of uh, it's sort of like, um, you know, people never discuss the fence until there's a problem with the fence. Right. So, so it's the same thing with agreements. When a client emails you and says, hey, can you send me a copy of our service agreement? That's not a good sign. Not a good day. <laughs> no, that's right. And I think, you know, it's an important aspect uh, is, is to what you're actually agreeing. And I'm a you know, strong advocate of, you know, your contract is, yeah, sure, it's there for that worst case scenario. But, but you know, in 25 years, I'd only had three clients that had ever faced legal proceedings. And that's, I think, largely because of my focus on the proactive protection side and getting real agreement, right? Right. So, you know, uh, look, for, for most MSPs, their customers can see that they're, you know, highly experienced and they trust them, you know, right? That's why they hire them in the first place. Yet that trust is often also the cause of the problems that can come afterwards. And the sort of problems, you know, that can come afterwards, when I talk about business risk, it's revenue leakage, it's out of scope work that you're doing, you know. And so what MSPs need to really realize is that what's obvious to you is not obvious. It's far from obvious to your customers, you know. So to overcome what I call the, the barrier of expertise, what's really needed is some simple translation in a way that customers can see, understand and expect. You know, so really breaking that down. 
I really like the, uh, I'm writing it down, <laughs> the barrier of expertise. That's a great phrase. Yeah, you've got That's a big true. disparity there, you know, between the, the huge knowledge and experience uh, that, that the MSPs are bringing to their work relative to the customers. Right. So uh, we touched on risk, but let's go back there. So uh, this is just such a difficult time to be in the IT business. The, the risks are almost doubling every day. You know, we're under attack from trolls in Russia. <laughs> we have <laughs> ransomware going completely wild. Uh, governments all over the world are regulating more and more, not just privacy, but access to data and reporting requirements and all of that. How do you keep up on that? You know, how do you how do you know that you're actually covering as much risk as you can in this service agreement? Yeah. So, you know, the, the way that we write agreements, uh, you know, you've got to pick out what's important and, and you're writing it in a way that's robust enough to deal with, you know, different types of risk as opposed to every single risk, you know, and I think that's that's really the the experience of, you know, a lawyer coming through and a lawyer like myself that's worked in the industry for 30 years now is, you know, uh, is is really the the way that you approach that in a way, as I say, that's robust enough to deal with the different types of risk. Now, we're working with with MSPs day in and day out. Um, and, you know, being in that in that um, capacity, we're, we're hearing and seeing what's going on. And as I said, it's really those everyday challenges, you know, partners saying, what can I do about this? Or this has just happened or this new thing is, you know, is this already covered? Well, you know, we're not writing an encyclopedia here of different risks. We, we're kind of writing the agreements in a way that, that captures um, sufficiently well you know, the, the types of risks that are there, you know, and, and when you look at it in terms of business risk, you know, you have got, of course, that that perhaps the, the cloud or the overhanging thing of, yeah, someone could sue you. You can't actually stop people suing you. Right. But, you know, um, you can you can do a whole lot of things to, to minimize that happening. And, you know, if you flick over to the proactive protection side of things, um, you know, look at the sorts of things that are happening. Now, one of the things I've always focused on, um, you know, and to, to tell this story, I'll jump you back to 1992, because it's at that time that I started my work as an IT lawyer. I was working for a big national firm at the time, and I was put onto the IT contracts uh, for, for some really significant clients. There weren't IT lawyers around at the time, so I had to see, you know, what's important here? What are the issues? Uh, what do I really need to focus on? And one of the things, you know, that that um, that I really discovered quickly was the number of relationships involved in any of this sort of work, you know. And and once you see those relationships, um, it becomes much easier to to determine where the responsibilities and the risks should lie. So that in itself reduces risk enormously once you can see that structure. Now, what I'm talking about for MSPs is, you know, one risk category is, of course. They're busy reselling a lot of third-party cloud services, right? Okay, and a lot of a lot of MSPs I talk to are concerned about that. Now, as I say to them, the vendors are not taking responsibility fully for their service. So why would you? Right. You know, let's be clear about that, and let's make that very clear to customers. So not just sliding that as a line item into your invoice, but here is your agreement for reselling third-party cloud services, that's dramatically going to reduce your risk already. 
if you uh, on in contrast if you come to them with an agreement that's to cover everything you know and MSPs are providing quite a range of services your customer will then have uh, uh, expectations they'll make assumptions that you're really looking after everything and that that's a that's a, a big arena for risk right there right well and I think 15 years ago we didn't make this distinction and say uh, you know I'm not responsible when something goes wrong at this tool vendor that I'm using to secure a client network, you know, because stuff happens and it's completely out of my control, but the the tool vendor has covered themselves with their Absolutely. agreement to me, mm-hmm. but I haven't covered myself with my agreement to my client. So uh, I think a lot of people's uh, agreements, if they have them, are very out of date with regard to that. That's right. You know, well, there are two aspects, of course, aren't there? There's there's the services you're reselling. And then, as you say, there's the services that you're using to provide your service. And, you know, and, and, and both of those are risk areas that really need to be addressed. It's interesting because uh, we used to sell uh, programming. You know, we, were, we did a lot of programming and we always had a little area in there that said, uh, we're not responsible for the tools that Microsoft or whoever, you know, the the, the tools that we are reusing, those have to be fixed by somebody other than us. So we can't warranty those. And not only that, but I can license you what I write, what I create as a programmer. I can't license you uh, uh, the, the in tools that I buy from somebody else. And I think there's an analogy to this, like I can't warrant <laughs> a tool that I'm buying as a service from somebody else. And the client just needs to know that. Do you think that clients have pushback on this or do they just see it as just it's regular business? Well, I think that, um, you know, customers are actually quite relieved when they see an agreement that spells things out clearly, because a lot of the time they have had to rely on trust. And they're not necessarily wanting to raise their hand with questions because that would show up their ignorance. You know, like, what do you mean you're going to migrate me to the cloud? What does that even mean? You know, (laughs) Um, and so if something is laid out to them clearly, um, then it makes not only the MSP, you know, look professional. And of course, they're protecting themselves along the way. They're making it very nice and clear for their customer for that real agreement, you know, and customers can see, right. I'm, I'm getting that service from you. You're not doing that. I can understand why, because that's Microsoft or that's Datto or whatever it is, you know. In actual fact, there can be, and I, and I say to the MSPs that we work with, don't be nervous about presenting an agreement that says what you do, you know. Um, it, it's actually a, a good move, not only for yourselves, but for your customers. Position it as a benefit for your customers, that you're being yeah. transparent with them. It's funny. I used to hear people say a lot, oh, I don't sign agreements. My customers trust me that if it's, you know, if it's good enough to, for a handshake, it's good enough for me. And I'm like, okay, that's just silly. That right? <laughs> don't be stupid right? <laughs> because they have no idea what the limits of their liability are. Um, so um, speaking of liability, the other way that we manage risk is through insurance. So mm-hmm. have you added sections to your contracts that that sort of call out what kinds of insurance I have to have or what kinds of insurance my clients have to have in the agreement? Well, mainly in relation to security services, yes, you know, the customer, put impose that on the customer um, to have insurance. 
but you know it can be reassuring for the customer to know that you've got insurance so we do we do put that in the agreements you know if an msp wants to take that out and not disclose their insurance levels you know that's fine and of course shouldn't be confused with your limitation of liability because your right. insurance is usually going to be far far greater than what you should expose yourself to with any particular customer in terms of your, you know, limitation of liability. So I have seen people trying to make those the same and, you know, well, I've got insurance. So of course I can have $5 million of, you know, yes, but you're, you're how much are you generating off this customer? So you don't want that disparity between those two things, you know, in terms of, um, you know, making making things nice and clear and concise, you know, or one partner that we worked with, one MSP, Nick, you know, he'd been bringing in customers for 20 years, things going quite well, but, you know, under the surface, again, that business risk. And, you know, he said, we don't have a problem with getting customers to sign agreements. It's only afterwards that's the that the problems, you know, commence. Right. Um, and in fact, you know, the team working late at night, uh, Nick worried about, you know, what's happening to his bottom line with that because support requests coming in, you know, uh, and the team wanting to keep the customer happy. Now you've got a, you know, uh, an uneven relationship there. You have a one-sided relationship because things are not clear, you know, so that that is a part of business risk as well if it's impacting your bottom line, right? Now what's needed there, of course, is for Nick to see, and he did soon see, that he needed a simple way to, to, to talk his talk and walk his customers through what he is committing to doing. And once they have that, you know, then you've got teams who are responding with greater confidence as to how they're going to deal with a particular, you know, request, whether it's in scope or out of scope, or you know, how that works, whether they should be responsible or not. And, you know, evening up the relationship so that customers are then saying, you know, can you help us with this rather than you need to help us with this? It's eight o'clock at night. I've got a problem, you know, and this sort of thing. So, so I think that you can, you can, you can turn the tables quite a bit and not only the customer appreciative of things being laid out clearly, but that obviously reduces your business risk enormously. Right. So I want to get into some of the details uh, of the, the actual service that you offer, but let me give the website. So it's um, itagree.com, and uh, you have a, a bit of an offer, and we'll put a link to that, but why don't you tell us what, what the offer is? Oh, sure. So the offer is, you know, it, it's, a, it's a download a checklist, eight-point checklist, um, just covering off on, you know, some of the things, you know, for, for your audience to have a look at their own agreements and to think through with the, with the benefit of those questions, you know, am I... Am I uh, protecting myself here? Should I be responsible for this? So it's an eight-point checklist. Um, and, you know, some of the things that, that we've talked about today in terms of the role clarity, you know, the relationships and, and, you know, what you should be responsible for and not in terms of other parties that may be involved. The really what I call alignment of expectations, you know, matching of expectations and getting that clear and concise. And the third part is, you know, around... Um, I call it agreement-driven decisions. So not that you're pulling out the agreement the whole time, but that the people at you know who are receiving the requests in your team, you know, are familiar with what what's been agreed, you know, and that and that's a really important aspect as well because I've seen great agreements, but not actually implemented as such, 
Um, so you get, you know, let's say a delay on a project caused by a customer, but you had a you had an opportunity to say, well, if there's delay, then you know we we can uh, we can still charge for our people, or because we can't just have them on the bench, or you know whatever it is. Right. Um, so the 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 avenues and the the processes are often in the agreement if it's been done well. Um, but the people at at the front line, so to speak, need to need to know you know how to res- respond to those things. Right. So uh, it is itagree.com slash checklist. That's right. And uh, eight point checklist. What what kinds of things you might be missing inside of your service agreement? Okay. So in terms of the service, um, walk me through it a bit. So I, I log on as a partner. Uh, is there a minimum? Do I do you charge per client per uh, MSP? You know what am I what am I signing right. up? For? Yes, so, so we've, <laughs> we've we've got a couple of plans, and you know typically um, people will will book in for a call, so we can you know we can discuss their their particular requirements. Um, it, there are a couple of plans that are set out on our site. Um, once they have agreements, they can use the agreements with all of their customers. We have plans whereby they can, you know, get guidance from us as well. We have forums for, you know, different types of agreements. So if you've got a question, for example, about, you know, reselling 365 under NCE and you've got the agreement there, but you want to have, you know, this question that's been raised there or, you know, you're setting that up for yourself and you've got a question, we've got forums for that. We have, you know, monthly sessions. We have, you know, plans with agreement updates. So basically it's just coming on. We've got a couple of plans. They can either have one which has got agreements, give me the agreements and I'll take it from there kind of approach with video tutorials, or if they want a greater level of assistance, um, they can have that too. So the first one is called the Rescue Hub and the second one called the Beacon Bundle in line with, you know, IT Agree being the agreement lifeguard. So if somebody gets just the, the first package uh, they download the agreements. Do you um, uh, let them change them? Can that, can I download they this can, and yes. changes? They absolutely can. You know, so no, nothing is fixed in there. There are certainly areas that details need to be put into, but uh, other parts of the agreement can be changed. It's you know, as I said to uh, one MSP I was talking to in the states this morning, actually, you know, you've got to be careful with agreements not to to add chunks of you think this is a good set of clauses to add in because it's a bit like a puzzle or, you know, a construction that, you know, you don't want to pull a piece out and make it unstable or put a piece in and and upset things as well. So they're very much built to be strong, stable agreements. There are aspects that need to be completed by, by the MSP. So uh, do you encourage people after they download these, especially if they make changes that they then take it to their local attorney to uh, have them look at it and make sure it's compliant and so forth? Well, they can. They can. If they have our Beacon Bundle plan, they can raise any questions like that with us. They could say, oh, I've seen I've seen this clause in another agreement. Would this be a good addition? Right. You know, and, and sometimes that very point is covered in our agreement already. They just haven't seen where that is. And I can say, well, have a look at, you know, clause 8.2. It's already there. And they go, oh, great. Ah, very good. So so if they get the, the beacon bundle, then they can sort of uh, have an ongoing relationship and just add, answer all the questions. Um, do you recommend that people roll these out to all their clients at once or just start with their biggest clients and <laughs> work their way down? Yeah. Or 
it's or... a good question because you know there there's the logistics of that we've actually i've answered a question in our forum on that very topic taking you know go for the customers that have for which you've got no agreements in place they're going to be like no obstacle to to go and get an agreement in but if you've got an agreement that let's say is you know eight months through a 24 month term then you know you need to look at that agreement to determine can you introduce a new agreement sometimes you can sometimes you can't do you need to wait till the end of the 24 months or could you have a conversation with that customer um, positioning this as a benefit for them as well you know we've come along with a, a more enhanced and you know more transparent clear agreement about what we're doing and we'd like to you know end this agreement and begin this one now you know that has to be uh, carefully uh, thought about and managed but it's possible as well so we we guide we guide partners through that that process as well so how often do you think agreements sh should be updated like if I sign an agreement with a client should I sign it for a year with an automatic renewal or 30 days with an automatic renewal uh, or, yeah. you know, because some people are now saying, oh, you should sign three-year agreements, but this, these MSPs don't want to sign three-year agreements with their vendors. Why should their clients sign three-year agreements with them, you know? <laughs> mm, mm, exactly. So it, it's a balancing act depending on the, the service, the client, you know, a number of other factors, but you know, you can, you can have, if you've got a three-year term, you could, you know, you can break it down 12 months kind of auto-renewing uh, with an opportunity to change things. Now, you can also identify things that, that might want to change, that you might want to change during the term, for example, price, right. uh, if there's an upstream price change, or, you know, keep it kind of generic if it's endpoint protection. You don't have to name the vendor so long as the, the performance and functionality you consider to be equivalent, you could swap that out, you know, so so you don't necessarily need to match your upstream vendor agreements with the term of your agreement with the customer. Right. Well, and it also matters if it's uh, if it includes hardware that's got a three year warranty <laughs> versus yes. if it's just for services. Um, do you recommend that that folks have more than one agreement with the client or should they just try to put everything they do under one big, big, big agreement? Yeah. No. So the former, I mean, it's, it's what I said earlier about the relationships, the role clarity. So you've got managed services, uh, give them a managed services agreement in that if you're including, you know, in your stack, you're reselling third party services as part of your monthly charge, you need to really call that out. Right. So uh, yes, more than one agreement um, for the particular services that you're providing. That way you can put boundaries around the services and also it helps you create upsell opportunities because the customer can see, oh, I'm, I've got that service, that service, and that service, but I don't have this service. Right. Oh, that's a good idea. You, you can literally have, okay, we got four boxes and you got three of them you, you've got services for. So absolutely, let's talk about box number four. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Yes. So very good. Well, we're, we're basically out of time, but um, let me have you give a, you know, a final pitch, uh, have the folks get a hold of you and where should they go and, and what's the first sure. thing they should do? Yeah, thank you very much. It's been great talking with you, Carl, and I'd, I'd be very happy to help any uh, of the MSPs in your audience. Uh, they can find me at itagree.com and that checklist again is at itagree.com forward slash checklist. Very good. Anne Hall, thank you for joining us today. I appreciate it very much and we'll put all the links and the information uh, in the show notes. Thank you very much, Carl. 
This has been another SMB Community Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the SMB Community Podcast. If you found this useful, interesting, or fun, please subscribe, share with your friends, and give us a thumbs up on your favorite social media. Please check out the show notes at smbcommunitypodcast.com and give us your feedback.